We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. everybody we are two jocks and a slub the show where the segments are made up and the content doesn't matter merging beer sports and nonsense since 2021 i am one jock colin cerelia with my other jock matt root matt say hi howdy and we have the lovely slub ethan Ertz. ethan say hello hello <laughs> for those of you who are watching ethan is eating so the Fans that we have writing in saying, eat more, eat more, Ethan. We've already, I think. Eat for the people. Exactly. Yep, li- we listen to the fans, you know, that's what I said. <laughs> exactly. We have an exciting show ahead. The Slovena, Hannah Lichtenstein is joining us in just a little bit. But first, we have something very exciting. We teased it last week. So if you were listening, we had an awesome, awesome review come through. Uh, but there were some stipulations attached to it. And tonight we are going to fulfill those stipulations so that the review stays because I think it's a great review, even if what we're about to do is going to be really silly. So, Ethan, I will let you take it away. All right. So we got a five star review, but it is conditional on the fact that I have to read it in a British accent. Now, I don't know who left this review. Colin said he will reveal their identity. I don't know if they know me or not, um, but I am garbage at accents. Um, I I did a practice run right before this and it was horrible. So um, so this is going to be really shitty, but I'll I'll do my best. Um, So here we go. Uh, All right. Two jocks and a schlub is brilliant. These cheeky mates flow so well together, although you can feel the sexual tension between the three lads. The podcast name is rubbish. Please consider two wankers and a scallywag. This name will raise you from low level to premier. Matt's one-liners leave me cracking. Ethan's runts get me bloody boiled, and Colin encourages the bonkers runts. A lot of American bat swing chabber. How about we mix in some football, you blokes? And about <laughs> Colin's ball and chain. You bollocks talk about this lush every week, but where is she? All right, I'm off to the loo. Goal! <laughs> 
and that's it. Uh, oh, so, man, that's good. great. So good. Well done, Ethan. Well done. Thanks for that. And thank you to the person who wrote the review. Do you want me to reveal it right now? You want me to wait until later? Uh, whatever. I don't know. Oh, come on. Well, I'll, I'll do it right now. It, it makes sense. So yeah. that review came from a friend of the show, Devin Conley. And uh, <laughs> so, yes, you do know him, Ethan. Uh-huh. And uh, if you remember, uh, Sam, his wife, uh, her, her dad is British. And so uh, they they definitely know what they're talking about. Some of those words and the different things that he was talking about. I'm sure they consulted him um, as they were putting that together. So That's pretty funny. And I will say that Two Wankers and a Scallywag is objectively a much better podcast name so <laughs> so that, that that was very good you know how the minor leagues do the like the salt potatoes and syracuse and and everything like we we could definitely do that for the podcast yeah oh man i totally be down for that okay. i gotta think of some good merch ideas i was just thinking that next next <laughs> time we have merch that that'll be something great i mean yeah i mean i i bought like a a levi or lehigh valley bacon hat just because they changed their name to like the sizzling bacon or something so <laughs> hell yeah i do that for two anchors and a scally uh, yeah bag. and let's actually this make gives me an idea we should we should put out a call to the masses on social media and say hey come up with your best two blank and and a blank uh name and if and if we like it, we'll feature it on some merch or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, but we're gonna get stuff like you know two beans and a franc or something. <laughs> two beans and a franc. I guess I guess I guess that's a possibility. I mean, that's, uh, that might have gone over your head. It's okay. I'm thinking of like a hot dog and beans. Yeah. Is there something deeper than that? We'll go. We'll we'll, we'll come back to this later, Ethan. Oh, oh, I know what you got at. <laughs> come, All right. come on, man. Come on. You know what? Sorry, I am much more high minded than you fuckers. Okay. No, false. You're on this podcast. <laughs> True. Story. All right. All right. Hannah's here. Hannah's here. Matt. Matt gets you every let's not, single. Week, let's not waste your time. With every what? single week. Matt gets you with something that goes right over your head every single week. I don't think that that's true. I'm going to go back and pull it. Yeah, you go back and you fucking find it all. Yeah. Yeah. I I came in at such an ideal time. You always do. You always do. Yeah. You always do. There is no unideal time. (laughs) That is right. Basically. But most importantly, I'm coming to you just miles away (laughs) from where Ethan lives, which is a huge development for, for me personally. Yeah. How are you liking it so far? When did you, when did you get in? Um... I guess three weeks, three and a half weeks ago. Okay. Um, we like Adams Morgan. I guess I shouldn't be sharing too much of my location on a podcast. I have no idea who's listening to it. Who's going to. Adams Morgan won't mean much to anybody. Me down. Uh, <laughs> no, near Ethan's um, good enough. You're just near Ethan. You know? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yes. Well, the team that I interned with, um, the Chicago Sky, is in the WNBA Finals. And they are playing, I think, game two as we speak right now in Phoenix against the Phoenix Mercury, a rematch of the 2014 WNBA Finals. And the game that what the Chicago Sky won on Sunday, the first in the series, um, was the Sky's first ever um, finals win. So the last time they played the Mercury back in 2014, the Mercury swept them. 3-0. 3-0. So pretty exciting stuff happening over there. Um, and to get a win 
away in Phoenix. Um, and the second game right now is also be play, being played in Phoenix. So this is definitely an important one tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, I have seen the, you know, having been an intern for them, seen them play uh, throughout the season. I, you know, they really seem to be hitting their form at the right time. I mean, you look at where they fell in the standings and how, you know, they ended up getting into the playoffs. Like they weren't the team that everyone was talking about, but here they are. Sometimes it just matters. It doesn't matter how well you play, you know, throughout the season, but you hit form at the right time. And there you go. What's the, um, what's the playoff format like in the WNBA, like the different rounds? Yeah. So I, where we're at right now is best of five. Um, so that's what the final series is. Uh, I know, I know that we used to have an Eastern and Western conference finals kind of, that's how the NBA does it. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I think there's like three rounds before the NBA finals. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously way fewer teams and I'm, I believe that they did away with, um, with that format, but yeah, just down to two. So big one tonight. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll, we'll know, you know, whether it's one and one or two and L, but I know the talk of women's sports, unfortunately, the, I guess the bit of the headline that's made all the news has had to do with the NWSL in the last couple of weeks. So that's certainly been tough. Yeah. Give us some, (laughs) I guess, give give us the spark notes uh, version uh, real quick of everything. I mean, I know, you and I have talked Hannah uh, about it a little bit already. Um, and it's obviously something that hits close to home for you. And, um, you know, it sucks that when women's sports makes the headlines, it's, you know, usually for something like this, but, um, it seems like at least there's some good things starting to come from it. So, um, yeah, if you, if you want to like give us the the spark notes to start, um, so everyone who's listening can catch up and then we can go from there. Yeah, I guess we're almost exactly at the two-week mark of the release of this story written by the Athletics, Meg Linehan, who's the national woman soccer writer for that outlet. And it was this long investigative piece, like beautifully done, hauntingly done, just very in-depth. You could tell that it took a lot of reporting, talking to a lot of people, and um, pretty much the, I guess, the, the thesis or the nut graph of that was just that uh, Paul Riley, who is one of the more most successful coaches in professional um, women's soccer in the U.S., had a history of um, sexually coercing and harassing players and just a lot of gross stuff. And, you know, kind of alongside that, the NWSL, the league um, had it seemed that there were people that knew about this and like he it just things just kept getting swept under the rug or not taken seriously players voices not being heard and Paul Riley was still able to like have this career and just move to the next team and um, so it kind of exploded and you know one of the things that really made it get national attention was Alex Morgan really kind of um I don't know, she she validated and used her privilege as such a, a celebrity in women's sports and women's soccer to amplify the voices of these women. And she went on the record in that uh, athletic art- article to sort of corroborate the claims um, that her her friends on the team at the time were making 
Um, and yeah, it just kind of caught fire from there and, you know, national outlets picked it up and, and whatnot. And it's now led to this larger discussion about, you know, protecting women's players and all sorts of things. Well, what, what uh, I'll say, what was frustrating to me is that Alex Morgan had to come forward and say, you know, she, mm-hmm. for it to be valid, like we're still at this point where some, one of the, the, you know, women's national team, one of women's soccer's biggest stars has to come forward and say, yes, this is true versus the initial reports that happened years ago. Uh, and that, that's just, that's, I mean, not only were the reports made, but then the fact that they were kind of dismissively pushed aside by the initial, was it up in Portland or Seattle where the initial yeah, Portland? Yeah. yeah and, and that, that's just, that's really, really disheartening. So obviously it's a, it's a phenomenal thing that Alex Morgan did, but it's still really, really saddening, you know, especially after, other really large high profile scandals in um, women's sports, whether it's, you know, the, everything with the gymnastics, you know, the gymnastics mm-hmm. or, Oh shoot, pick, pick a number. Uh, it, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm happy that change is happening, but this is, damn, this, this still is disheartening. Yeah. And it's really still like, we have to remember, like it's the players kind of spearheading their own initiatives to like protect their own, Um, nothing's really like organically or proactively come from the league. I mean, we've had this anti-harassment policy um, that was kind of developed in in April, but still it's really the the NWSL Players Association that's like on the front lines doing all this work and, you know, setting up the anonymous hotline and, and all the things that they're sort of calling for. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted, it's like kind of a joke, but I mean, it's, thinking about all the the energy that they do having to protect their own plus they're working these side hustles as as athletes who aren't even getting paid like a livable wage plus they're you know expected to be like the most elite athlete athletes so they certainly have a lot on on their plate and there's been a lot of follow you know people players coming out and all not just you know, women's soccer, but in women's sports in general, talking about these sorts of dynamics um, and how they appear and speaking out on those issues and wanting people to be held accountable. You know, we're still kind of waiting to see if some of the big names that were named in that story are going to be let go. So that's like pending um, as we're recording. So none of them have been fired or anything yet. Not even Alex Morgan. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no, she was, sorry, you. she was the star. What was the dude's name who was the big deal? Uh, right. Paul Riley's been oh, fired. Oh, that guy, sorry. His, yeah. his, uh, his career's over for sure, but there were just like some other men who kind of were like secondary characters, but also like very much like involved um, who have kind of still been like skating by. But the National Women's Soccer League commissioner um, step down. So yeah, it's certainly, there's been a, a major ripple effect. Um, and still, you know, there were games tonight and, um, there's been sort of protests on the fields, players linking arms, um, together, stopping the game, um, to do so. So don't expect these issues to, you know, just kind of go away quietly. I've two thoughts that I don't know are going to turn into questions. So I'm just going to, put them out there and I wonder the first thought is so everything that's happened it's almost like it's galvanized the the players in the league 
to support each other in a way that I don't know existed mm-hmm. prior. Um, and I mean, like, how often do we see, you know, on social media where um, we see what women say that they're fighting for, they're fighting to be respected like they are men and everything. And like, I think what it got exposed here was like the infrastructure within the league, whether you talk about leadership or even, even I think with some of the, the players in the way that they, you know, go about uh, promoting the league mm-hmm. wasn't as strong as they need it to be to like make that leap. And like now, you know, the, the good that may come out of this for advancing the league, um, it, it just seems like there's a closeness among them also. I, I don't know if that's yeah. off base or anything. Um, the other thought, and uh, Hannah, I, I started to talk to you about this and Matt and Ethan obviously already know this. Uh, I'm a Penn Stater. And so I very clearly understand um, when allegations come out against someone very, very powerful, how difficult it is um, to have something be done. And what I always wonder about in situations like this, whether you're a child molester, whether you're a sexual assault uh, molester or whatever you're doing, and there's like all these stories that come up throughout the years and then people move on to job, job, different areas, and they keep getting work and everybody thinks the world in them. And I'm like, for the most part, I think our justice system and like the way that we go about, you know, trying to, uh, do things is, is pretty good here in America. But like when it comes to those things, it just seems so broken that it, that it's so difficult. Like I, I, there's this one haunting story that that I always think about with Jerry Sandusky, where they, they had a kid who he was molesting with an undercover cop. This is probably roughly a handful of years before he got arrested. They were at his front door. They were ready to arrest him. He had to say like these magic words to this kid that they were using, you know, to try to pry him out. And he never said the words. It was like the, in the, in the report, it was, it was like, he knew, you know, that, that they were there to get him. And so he, you know, put up his facade and, um, you know, just continued on with life. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, I haven't read the, the report in enough detail to, to know that, but like, I just always wonder with these things, like, why does it take an Alex Morgan or, you know, whoever, like, why do we treat them as isolated incidents mm-hmm. and, and why don't we combine them into one thing and say like, Hey, there's a pattern versus, and we do that eventually. Right. Like in both of these cases, Sandusky and with Riley, it happened eventually, but it took far too long. Um, and, and any type of cases that you read about this, you know, people who are successful is not the right word, but people who are very good at deceiving, um, you know, they go a very long time. And so that, that's a thought that always comes to me too, is like, do we need to change the justice system? Like specifically for this, like mm-hmm. make sure that these things don't happen, whether it's the women's gymnastics that you were talking about, Matt and, and everything like it, it's just, it's so sad. And it, it, it really hurts to you know think about, um, you know, especially I think about with my daughter, um, do all I can to protect her, but yeah. just don't know. Uh, you know, I, I got a text from my high school coach who I haven't talked to in a while. I mean, I haven't played for him. We had a good, you know, relationship and uh, I had a good experience under him, but I got a text from him last week and he was checking in on me, you know, asked what I was doing. And he said that he got a nice email from my dad 
And my dad is like, I think he, yeah, I, I, he's taking this all really hard. He, all the news. And I think he was like been reaching out to my prior coaches, just kind of like, I don't know, thanking them for like being one of the good ones. And I know my dad like has a, a weird way or, you know, just a different way of processing emotions, you know, masculinity, whatever. And I think like, he didn't want to like vent to me. And so he ended up writing these sort of like long emails to my former coaches. And yeah, I mean, it's, there's just, it's not just girls too. I mean, I, I know that this, there's just certain dynamics within sport, um, within player coaches that you just like, we have to be more mindful of. Um, and, you know, I was on a podcast last week talking about something related to this and we we're just like, when you go through like coaching certifications, you know, so much of it seems to be like the X's and O's and, you know, concussions. Sure. I mean, I know that that's been implemented more with, uh, with soccer coaching licenses, but maybe there's a slide or two about, about sexual harassment, but it still feels like there's so much more that can be done in terms of making sure that players and coaches are like, kind of just know these things. Yeah. I mean, it's overall, it's like the John Gruden thing, you know, going back to that, like he, he is who he is in the public. Mm-hmm. Then he is who he is behind the scenes. And like, nobody knew until those emails got leaked. And I mean, it, it's, it all, it's, it stinks. I, I hate that we have to talk about like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just thinking about, you know, how to move forward at least in this case. And I know that, you know, we aren't the ones like making policy necessarily. And, you know, what can we do as the the average listener here? And I think that it's just so important to keep supporting women's sports to buy tickets because, you know, the better the infrastructure of the league can get through money, you know, the more we can have resources and staff to kind of identify these things and be like well-equipped to deal with these things. Cause something that keeps standing out to me is like, there's so many people just working part-time in women's sports and in HR or, or doing these sort of front office jobs, but, but part-time. And even though they might have all the, you know, the best intentions and want to, you know, work as hard as they can in the interest of these players, like it's still a part-time job. You only have so much bandwidth things fall through the cracks um, a lot easier, I think, with that. And then another thing with regards to, to money and buying those tickets and how it, there's kind of um, a, that, how that ends up affecting player safety. Um, something that stands out in the athletic article is that Paul Riley's pattern of, of targeting players was he targeted those on the fringes. He didn't target the Alex Morgans, the ones who were stable in the league. He targeted the ones that were making $20,000 a year and who, you know, he knew were kind of like scared and whose jobs could be lost um, at any given practice. And so again, we come back to this idea of like the, when the league's more stable, there's, there's just a diff, there's just a vulnerability that um, isn't there in a, in a sense, and that might not be preyed on in the same way. So I think, you know, don't be, don't shy away from buying tickets now, you know, 
with all this this scandal or the drama like if anything this just kind of highlights the importance of of buying tickets and just giving that attention and you know supporting women's sports so this is actually a perfect segue to what i wanted to ask you hannah i'm actually glad you went into all of that because um <clears throat> on like one of the previous times that you've been here we we were sort of uh, lamenting the fact that we even call women's sports, women's sports, right? That like sports by default, like the default names are, are like for the men and everything like that. And we've talked about the lack of following, um, for any of these major women's sports, despite the fact that you have people like Simone Biles and Serena Williams who are, you know, <clears throat> and obviously many more truly world-class athletes, like not just right now, like in history, just incredible athletes, regardless of gender. Um, I'm curious and, and, and you don't need to go into a deep dive on this cause I'm sure you don't want to, you know, be here forever, but I'm curious if you think, uh, is it, is it just a marketing problem? Like, what do you, do you, does there need to be a massive overhaul in, in, in terms of how we as a society view women's sports? And if so, how do we achieve that? Is it, is it just through like a, like a fuck ton of, of positive marketing or, or is there something else? Yeah. Colin and I have been having conversations about this, you know, I'm cert certain there are different ways to tap into the marketing aspects of the league. I know, you know, journalists, local journalists covering the teams in the area, national journalists. I mean, Colin and I talked about, you know, if you get the, the talking heads like Stephen A. Smith and, you know, Bill Simmons talking about women's sports, will that uh, make a difference? And I think it does. I mean, I know that they won't claim to be experts and maybe it looks fake for them to start talking about women's sports, but I just can't help but think it's such a waste to have these guys who are clearly experts in a specific sport, basketball, soccer, whatever, completely ignoring this subsect that plays that sport. I mean, just them starting the conversation, they don't need to be like experts and try to pretend like they do know it all and mansplainers, but they they can, you know, admit, like, I don't, we should be talking about this, even though I don't know exactly what, what, you know, all the little details are. So yeah, marketing, just having the conversations, I don't know, girl dads like Colin starting podcasts and bringing uh, <laughs> people on like me. All seven listeners are, are going to be gung-ho about women's <laughs> sports from now on. So well, Hannah adds a whole bunch on her own. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure that Hannah's people are going to go and listen to this random fucking podcast. Oh, no, I'm pushing the pod. You are? Okay. I'm right. sending it out to my family group chats. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. <laughs> well, like, but So, perfect example. You, you, you bring up the uh, WNBA finals tonight, and I, I just like pull up the ESPN game cast, and I go, oh, it's Candace Parker versus uh, Brittany Griner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like two of the most talented, most recognizable names mm -hmm. battling in the post. Holy cow. That's probably great basketball. Like mm -hmm. I want to see that. I want to watch that. Um, yeah. And then never mind the fact they've got two, two more players of the, some of the most recognized, you know, Skylar Diggs and uh, Diana Taurasi, like two, right. Skylar Diggs, right. Yeah. Two of the more recognizable names in the WNBA there. So. Yeah. Um, I think there's also something to be said. What, what you point out is important. Like there this is only a half-baked thought, but I think there's something more about the individual names being so important in women's sports versus like the teams. And, and when we talk about men's sports, you know, like the Yankees have its own aura around them or, you know, Patriots have its own aura around them. You don't really have 
a woman's team sport. I mean, okay, we're talking about the national teams, but you know, it's a standalone Simone Biles or it's standalone, you know, um, uh, Candace Parker. And um, we tell so many stories about about those those individuals um, and those sort of women celebrity athletes, but. Yeah, you know, it's it when we even the marketing around this finals, it's like Candace Parker versus Diana Taurasi, which is which is a certainly an important storyline, but there's so many other stories to be told. Yeah. Well, I know you guys have so much baseball to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're in mourning still. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before you go, you got to give us a, a WNBA prediction. What do you think is going to end up happening? Uh, I'm going to get a WNBA ring from the Chicago Sky as their <laughs> as their PR intern. No, um, yeah, the Sky are going to take it. I believe. I believe so. <laughs> I don't know. Are the are the Dodgers? Dodgers are still in the mix, right? Yep. Game five tomorrow. So tomorrow. Dodgers and right. Giants. Yeah. Dodgers. When you go home. Go you think you think giants got it well we'll talk about it after yeah <laughs> all right guys thanks for letting me ramble on sorry to depress you if i did um, super interesting stuff and valuable thank you yeah thank yeah. you thanks hannah. hannah all right next time ethan and i will be will be coming on from one camera I, i'm yeah we'll do that one of these days that'd be yes. fun yeah all right have a all good right. one guys you too see ya bye, bye shabina we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Hannah's right. great. <clears throat> yeah, Every stuff. single time. The Shalbina, Hannah Lichtenstein, everyone. I got to get her stuff. I got to get her care package. It's yes. Hey, downstairs. Do. Yes, definitely get that out. We don't want Dude, to lose her. Maybe I'll maybe I'll tell her. Uh, I'll have her and her. Uh, is it her girlfriend or her fiance? Girlfriend. Girlfriend. As far as I know. Um, I do, if they like, I don't know if they like beer, but other half's fucking anniversary thing uh, this oh, weekend. Yeah. Maybe I'll yeah, maybe I'll mention that. Anyways, yeah, she's awesome. Love having her on. I'll I'll tell her uh, that that you wanted to see. Um, Ethan, other half, writing my note. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Ethan, they're going to release some other anniversary beers. You should. Buy me some and bring them to Cleveland. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. If I go, we'll we'll see what happens. I'd like to go at least for a little while. But oh, I, for a second, I was like, if you go to Cleveland, no, you're fucking going to Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland, obviously. That's a yeah, four. Okay. Dude, Grog Shop. I looked this up the other day. One hundred cap. Yeah. That's fucking tiny, dude. This is gonna be absolutely incredible. I'm so it. excited. I can't. That place. I knew it was nuts. tiny, but like a hundred is that's smaller than fucking Autobar that yeah, we, that we went to. It's, it's by a little bit. 
it and and now, now just imagine college drunk Matt Root double fisting 24 ounce PBRs <laughs> fucking dancing to, to electric, electric six. six. That's Dude. all you need to know about this part. Oh, also, um, oh, the, the the bathrooms just ugh. Uh, there's no, it's just a steel toilet with no seat. Um, so like, I need to take any shits before we get to the venue then. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. Is what I you're mean, saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah I, I won't, I won't continue that story, but yeah, just kind of a crazy place. Um, yeah, dude. I'm so excited. It's going to be amazing. We, if we're lucky, I can post up on stage left like I normally do. And you know, it, we're out of the way of the major amps. We still hear everything and you get, you get like, just the view it's great yeah yeah it's gonna be so good all right what do we got what do we got boss uh well we can do a couple things let's first uh what are we what are we drinking tonight um i I will kick it off i've got saranac clouded dream ipa and i'm drinking it out of coffee mug hell yeah that's a snazzy look love it right so i got a shout out to cousin greg I went to Hysteria last week. I got a Trash Panda American IPA. Nice. Um, I, I Hysteria, great little place. It's much less polished than some. You know, it, it's it's got that startup microbrewery feel, which is great. It's kind of like a garage essentially. You know, any any place you go to that's got a sign at the door that says like "Beef to the right" because there's a, a barbecue place, or "Beer to the left." Like, I know I'm going to be happy at this kind of place. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, no t-shirts though. No, no merch there. So. Uh, I got I got a I got a beer tree beer tree brewing company shirt on tonight. Uh, shout out to the Landrys. Thank you for my birthday present. Beer trees in Greater Binghamton, um, and it's blowing up. It's a great great brewery in southern you know the southern tier of New York State. But hysteria. I have to say this trash pan is pretty tasty, Greg. So thanks for the uh, the turn on that. We got a couple couple other other beers down in uh, up down in the fridge. I'm looking forward to trying. Well, if Hysteria needs a merch guy, I know one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I also have a shout out for Hysteria. Hell Matt, yeah. Matt gave me this beer. Uh, we went and saw a concert last weekend, and he gave me this beer that he picked up when he was at Hysteria. Gotta haze them all. And it's good. It's tasty. It's, um, you know, I'm learning. Matt and I have talked a little bit about this separately, and we won't go into a huge thing right now. But for those who don't know, so like IPAs right now obviously are huge. They've been huge for a long time, but IPAs right now, especially like the sort of hazy or New England IPAs as we talk about them, there's tons of different varieties of hops, right? Think about like with wine, the different types of grapes and how you have different flavors, right? Same thing with, with beer and all these different kinds of hops. And so for me, one of the things that's been kind of cool over the last couple of years is I've been able to sort of discover which hops I, I seem to really like and which ones I'm like less excited about. Um, this one, I think, so it's Galaxy and is it Motuka? Is that how you say it, Matt? Do you know? I don't know if it's Motueka or... Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Motuka is probably the very, the very white boy way to say it then, maybe. In any case, good beer, solid beer. Not my favorite, I think, because of the hops. I think, I think I'm not wild about Galaxy, maybe, but, but a really solid beer. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, and that'd be me too. Gal- Galaxy, I mean... It- it's not that I dislike Galaxy, but I just like them less. It's it's got a yeah. very um, distinct, almost like candy flavor to me that I just uh, I can't. You know, it's yeah. not my favorite, but still, um, well done, well done. I think yeah. what got it got to haze them all is a got to catch them all reference, right? That's why the yeah. raccoon looks like Pikachu on the can. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a Pokemon thing. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. So, 
All right, Ethan, call me boss again, and then I'll I'll run us through everything. I like. All right, that. boss, what's next? <laughs> I think if we get that on recording, add it to the sound. The sound. Yeah, there. let's do it. No, that'd be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we got a few things, um, so we'll we'll go uh, as quickly as we can through them. Uh, before we get to baseball playoffs, which we definitely want to cover, uh, Matt, I think you have something that you want to share with all of us. Yeah. So uh, my turn for a rant tonight. Um, all right. So, so uh, I'm, we're, I'm in a, I'm in a brand new neighborhood. They're, they're slowly building houses in this place. And it was trash night last night. But, you know, everyone's throwing their trash cans outside. Um, so I get that normally everyone's got you know, the, the, you've got to get it out there at night because the, the trash guys come like really, really early in the morning. Um, and I also understand that, you know, everyone's going to be walking their, their dogs right around, uh, right around this time of evening. Everyone's getting home and walking their dogs. And again, I'm going to keep, keep the train of reasonableness going here and say, yeah, if your dog shits, you pick it up in your little shit bag and you can just walk to the next trash can and just put it in the trash can you know whatever it's trash the garbage guys are going to dump it out the next day it's fine but where i draw the line is where someone decides to you know their dog apparently shat in my front yard and they bag up the shit and then they just leave it in the middle of my driveway wow. just here's here's your trash bag obviously they assume i'm putting my trash out and they just think i'm going to pick up their shit their dog shit i mean you could have carried it five feet and put it in the next trash can down the road. Don't leave your dog shit in the middle of my freaking driveway, just assuming I'm there to pick it up for you. Um, the other thing, it happened in like the 10 minutes between when I got home and when I took my trash out. So like I was actually standing out there looking. So you better watch out because it's you made the mistake of using a distinctive dog shit bag. It was a red dog shit bag. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking for you now. Don't leave your dog shit in my driveway. So pick it up and put it in the trash can yourself or take it home. Now, I love it, dude. So, so into it. Amazing. Um, This is so good. No, this is fantastic. (laughs) Obviously I agree. Totally. The one thing I'm wondering, the driveway part is still bad. One thing I'll say is like my parents, as you both know, very, very responsible, respectable person. When they go on a long walk with the dogs and the dogs shit somewhere that's like kind of inconvenient and not near trash cans, They'll bag it up and they'll leave it on the side of the road, not in anybody's driveway, but on the side of the road because they're going to be coming back the same way and they're going to grab it and put it in their own trash can. Is there any chance? I know it's small. Is there any? Ch- well, you know what? The driveway. That's gross. No, they no, should have no. put so, it. They should have so done it in the driveway. Right. Because I, I had that thought, too. Okay. Maybe they're going to come back and pick up this wonderful present that their dog left on my lawn. But no, it was like six feet up the driveway. So there's the driveway that ends and then there's four feet wide of sidewalk. So oh, if it was on the edge of the sidewalk or just on the curb, I understand. You're probably coming. It was back legit for it. in your fucking it was like. Le- I mean, they almost. It's almost like they did an underhand, you know, cornhole toss, like oh, bloop, right on the driveway. Not my problem anymore. Jesus um, Christ! And, and All I right. did. I like I said, I stood out there and I looked up and down. Like, okay, people. Like, there's not many people to the right of me. There's only two finished houses. They're still building down there. So. I know you're not in the cul-de-sac down there. You're not just climbing through construction sites anymore. <laughs> so obviously you're not on the left side either. Cause I could see all the way down there. So I'm, I'm keeping an eye out now. Like, you know, uh, I just, again, the amount of effort it took me to take care of it. Very little, very little. Yeah. yeah pick it up, put it in the trash. But what they are saying about me and my time. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, screw you. 
Yeah. Rude, uh, discourteous, pathetic. I mean, this is like, not to get super heavy, but we talked about this a few episodes ago where we were talking about COVID and how people act and how they treat people in the service industry and how I said that I think that people are just basically yeah. weak and shitty. This is an example of that. It's yeah. just selfish and it's weak and it's and it's just pathetic. Um, but that's, you know, that doesn't, it's, it sucks, but it doesn't entirely surprise me. Now, know? like the responsible person I am, I picked it up and I put it away, I put it yeah. in the trash, but their shit should not be my problem. Yeah, oh, thank you, Colin. Colin, this is your podcast episode title for this week. Is something about like do- dog shit problems or dog shit rant or something <laughs> like that? There, our our title is ready to go. That's good. I mean, it, I equate it to like uh, you know, I might have said this on an old pod. So, Colin, use your soundboard to shout me down if I did. But like the shopping cart test, like. There's no rule that says you have to put your shopping cart away. There's no penalty if you don't. Oh, dude, it drives me fucking but be insane. be a good person and walk the extra 20 steps, take an extra 30 seconds, and put it away. When people leave it in, like, a parking spot so that yeah. a parking spot can't even be used, that's, like, the time in life where I, like, most want to commit physical violence against somebody. Like, I would never do that, but, like, when I see that shit... Just the principle of it. Exactly what you're saying. Roll the fucking cart somewhere else yeah. where it's supposed to be, not in the spot. What are you thinking? Like the the one of the employees of the local uh, giant here in town um, saw me take an extra thirty seconds and wheel my cart back up to the corral at the front of the store. She said, "Oh, thank you for doing that." And I said, "It it took thirty seconds, you know. It I used to be the person that had to pick up all the carts in the grocery. Basic fucking like, decency. Yeah, yeah, like there's no rule against it. There's no rule saying you have to do it, but a good person's gonna do it." Because if not, you're saying, "Well, I'm too, I'm too good for this." Oh, oh. you, you plead making seven dollars an hour. You can pick up my grocery cart for me. Oh, sorry, yeah. fucking assholes. <sighs> anyway, that's out now. I exercise the demons, dude. So. That was a great rant, man. I'm proud of you. Well, that was I, awesome. I, I want to think a couple. You know, you can't be, you can't have a monopoly on the rants. Yeah, no, of course not. I don't have a monopoly. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Colin, maybe we can get you ranting sometime too. Or if not, <laughs> like we'll bring like Timmy in for a guest rant or something. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that works. And this is what I have to say about shitty dog shitting people. Is... And speaking of shitty people, that's going to segue us nicely into our talk about the baseball playoffs because, oh boy, do we have some shitty people in the form of the Tampa Bay Rays who decided Ugh. to completely shit the bed and let the Boston Red Sox, I saw, I saw a really great thing. I'm going to steal it. Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros are playing in the cheater LS, uh, this coming Friday. (laughs) So that is funny. (laughs) I like that, but I, I want to, I really, I want to, um, couple, couple things that I want to cover from the baseball playoffs because a lot has happened, but, uh, a, the MVP of the playoffs so far is Fenway park, like between what happened with G on that hit in the wild card game against the Yankees. And then what happened on, what was that Saturday night or Sunday night when Kiermaier hit that ball that hit off the wall, then hit Renfro and went over that little wall run would have easily scored. And I saw, I'm, I'm sorry there, Gabriel star. I really, really respect the work that she does uh, girl at the game and uh, everything, but she tweeted out something along the effects. Well, it was a two run homer. So they still would have won, you know, six to five, even if that run would have scored. And that's the whole Michael K. Like you can't believe in the fallacy of like the predetermined effect or whatever the, the phrase outcome, is that yeah, he yeah. used. Yeah. The predetermined outcome, like the game totally changes. Yeah. If the Rays score 
that fifth run and take the lead. Maybe they score more runs. At the very least, they're not completely fucking demoralized because some bullshit corner of Fenway Park, you know, let let the ball or that that wall go over the the ball. And the rule's right. Like, you know, I, I'm not arguing that, but man. Hey, I, hey, the rule is right. And I'll say this. How many times have the Yankees been fucked over by those catwalks in Tampa? So I don't <laughs> care how pissed off they are. They've got their own little shithole of a stadium <laughs> with wonderful ground rules that work to their advantage seemingly more often than not. So they can get all their panties in a wad about the bounce that took the correctly called bounce that took place in Fenway. But, oh, man, holy shit. Yeah, and, and and it's no surprise that the three of us do not have strong feeling towards the Rays <laughs> or the Red Sox, um, but the Red Sox definitely hurt us more. And uh, it's just sickening to think that after what they did with Mookie Betts and after what happened with Alex Cora, who it, seemingly it's all been forgotten uh, by everybody, uh, they are four wins away from entering into another World Series and potentially winning their fifth World Series in our lifetime, which would tie the same amount that the Yankees have in our lifetime. And not just that, it would be their fifth since 2004. So their fifth in less than 20 years, which would be pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, long way to go. Would suck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. I think they have a hard time beating the Astros. I the do. Astros are really stacked. I mean, it is a bummer. The Rays, I mean, I texted, we texted about this and and I said something along these lines, like, the Rays were so good this year, all fucking year, and they they just ran shit all year. I mean, what did they end up going? 162, 101 and 61, something like that. I mean, they were they were great all year long, and so all of a sudden to be beaten by a Boston team that nobody really even expected to be in the playoffs, and not only that, but like in four games, and it, it wasn't even like a particularly close uh, close series. Um, definitely a bummer. Definitely a bummer to see that. But the other baseball item that I wanted to cover here quickly because then we have a lot of mailbags that I want to get into and honor those good folks who keep writing in uh, the White Sox who yes. <laughs> laid, laid an egg as I predicted. Yeah, you did predict <laughs> it. You would. called it, dude. Yeah, <laughs> And we'll get into that in a little bit more later because one of our questions comes from a White Sox fan. Um, they accused the Astros of once again cheating and um, you know, it hasn't really caught fire, you know, in the way that some people I think might might have thought that it was going to. Um, but what, what do you guys think about the the whole accusation of the Astros cheating once again? I mean, I, I love so. So obviously it got under their skin. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw what happened in the eighth inning of last the, the game four. Um, mm. Oh, yeah. So one of the Astros relievers. Uh, threw at Abreu a couple times and then plunked him. Now, the this was Astros after are... they, This was after they had hit Altuve, though, the White Sox. Uh, okay, I didn't know that. Oh, but, okay. I mean, the game was the game was put away. They were up 7-1. to one. Like, yeah. they, gave, they were going to win or 7-2. to two. Uh, But they plunk, they plunk Abreu in nonsense innings, and old man Tony strolled out and was arguing and yelling and all angry and upset. Um, but, I mean, I, I still think that, that traces back, whether or not both in either side agrees, you know. Tony is saying that that it was intentional, that they're pissed off about the comments. Uh, the Astros are saying absolutely not, nothing of the sort. And our pitcher was wild all night. But um, I, I think there's still some something brewing there, even even if uh, Dusty Baker is saying, well, there's no rivalry between these teams. And, you know, there's oh, there's I think no, there is now. There's no bad blood. Yeah, there is now. So, yeah. Um, now- what what are the what are the specific accusations? This is what I missed. What what are they specifically saying the Astros did? I've got it. You've got it. All right. Yeah. 
It was a relief pitcher. It was White Sox reliever Ryan Tapera. And he said, they've had a reputation of doing some sketchy stuff over there. We can say it's a little bit of a difference. I, th- I think you saw the swings and misses tonight compared to the first two games at Minute Maid Park. Um, I don't have those stats uh, on. To- there was a big discrepancy. So yeah. there was a very, very big discrepancy on swings and misses on breaking balls at home versus when they were in Chicago. So he, ah. he had a little bit of something there. Okay. So he's so he's basically insinuating that they're doing something similar to what they cheating, were yeah. doing. That they're basically finding some way to predict pitches, so that at least at home when they're at their home ballpark, they're finding a way to predict. So that way they are doing a much better job with all the breaking pitches, basically. Right? Is that is that kind of the gist of it? Yes, it's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. I feel like everybody cheats. Um, it's just the the fact that the Astros were so egregious with what they were doing. Um, could be there could absolutely be that they're still doing it, but it also could just be like a home field advantage. I mean, we were talking about Fenway. Fenway is one of the best hitters parks in the league. And so, sometimes there's just that there's just a comfort level. There's just a confidence. Um, so I don't know, but really interesting stuff. It'll be fun to see, you know, we were just talking about the whole rivalry thing and how Dusty Baker was trying to downplay it. It'll be interesting to see next year. I bet you the White Sox have a fucking chip on their shoulder about this. Yeah. I mean, they'll have six or seven games. They're, you know, they're not in the same division, but they'll have six or seven games against each other. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. 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 Before we totally move on from baseball, I just want to reiterate the Rays are frauds and they suck. And <laughs> uh, I think, Ethan, you brought up a really good point. Something I was thinking of how largely overall, I think I agree that for the most part, home field advantage does not exist in the same way in baseball that it does for football let's say, or basketball even. Um, But when it comes to Fenway Park specifically um, and, you know, what the old Yankee Stadium was, I was, so I was thinking about this at the old Yankee Stadium, the Yankees won four straight. No, they won. They won the last home game of 1996. They won the first two home games of 1998. They won the last two home games of 1999. They won the first two home games of 2000. They won the three middle games of the 2001 World Series. They didn't lose a home game in the World Series during that dynasty until game one of the 2003 World Series. Holy shit. After everything that happened in that seven-game series of the Red Sox. And Fenway Park, like whoever, the real MVP is whoever said, no, we cannot knock this park down. We need to figure it out add the monster seats, make it so that it's at least livable for the players inside those small clubhouses and everything. Like that is a home field advantage that pretty much, I mean, I, I don't even think Wrigley's that nice um, or, you know, plays that well to the home crowd. So um, I, yeah. I think there's a serious home field advantage that the Sox can take advantage of. And that's really worrisome. Hey, everyone gets 27 outs though. So it cuts yeah, but both everyone ways. gets 60 minutes in a football game. Look, look, look what happens. Look what happened, to, you know, against or when Gavin Lux was up in Dodger Stadium. You know, he hit a ball to, to end the game the other night that would have in, you know, 80% of, I think, like with the launch angle and the exit velocity that he had, it was like an 866 batting average and something like 60% of the hits, hits were home runs. And yet the wind at Dodger stadium knocks it down. The giants catch it game over. So, um, you know, it, 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 everyone still has, 
you know, an equal number of outs. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. I think it cuts both ways. So, so this is super interesting and we don't need to go down the rabbit hole on this, but um, you're kind of getting at this, Matt. And Colin, you were talking about, and I think you've mentioned this before, about how you think home field advantage is a little bit less in baseball than in other sports. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. Um, I think maybe it has to do with the fandom, right? At football games, there's just bigger crowds and, may, and they're just maybe just louder and more boisterous, whatever. But one thing that separates baseball from the other sports is that every stadium is different. In basketball, in football, the fields and the courts are, are regulation. They are the same fucking size, the same shape, everywhere same height for the hoop right same height for the goalposts like everything is the same at every park but in baseball every park is different and so i think that maybe at least in terms of like the outfielders you know there might be a little bit more of an advantage than we realize yep. in terms of like your red sox outfielders they're used to playing in in that weird fucking outfield especially like in left field and obviously you can go through this with with any stadium but all the stadiums are different um might not lead to an overall large home field advantage in the way that we're talking about it. But I do think that it's like a really interesting piece of the puzzle. No, you and you and Colin are right. That's why park factors are a thing in, in the majors so, in baseball. Right. Um, yeah. You know, cause yeah. The, you know, and, and we'd be silly to say that, uh, you know, Verdugo and Kike and whoever the hell the Red Sox stick in left field or right field. I am not. Hunter Renfro, uh, yeah, we'd be silly to say that they they're, they're not better at playing the outfield than you know Brett, John Carlo, and Aaron Judge and Joey Gallo because they know the caroms, they know the bounces, they know what to expect, they know yeah uh, how to play off the wall, they know how the ball is either going to roll around the pesky pole corner or it's going to you know carry them out into the field. So no, you guys are right. Um, that does definitely lend an advantage, but um, yeah, I'll say if you're just looking purely at like short porches too. Um, you know, the, the, the fence is the same distance when you're a Yankee or a Red Sox when you're playing at Fenway. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's three out of the four slots filled for the LCS. We're waiting on the conclusion of the Dodgers and Giants, which will happen uh, today as you're listening to this podcast tomorrow Giants. as we're recording it. But um, yeah, it should be interesting next week. We'll get more into that as those series will uh, both be um, at least a couple games in. Uh, we have a couple mailbags, and um, I think I want to start the mailbags, though, with a, um, a comment, as uh, Ethan put it, or a rebuttal, um, I think was the word that you used. So you can uh, take this first mailbag, Ethan. Okay, so <clears throat> my dad apparently listens to the podcast sometimes, which I... Hi, Jim. Did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he did say that we we run way too long for him and he can only usually do like 40 minutes. So there's I'll a possibility that he won't even hear this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell him. I'll tell him, hey, skip ahead. We we talked yeah, about name, your thing name at the, the very podcast, end. Jim should listen to this or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so so my dad li has has apparently listened to some and uh, he was we were talking on the phone the other day. And he brought up the conversation that we all had about hustling uh, a few episodes ago. And just to remind people, um, I kind of went on a little bit of a, of a rant about this, how I think that there's this there's this old fashioned narrative in baseball. Well, there's a lot of old fashioned like stupidity in baseball about like the unwritten rules and all of that. I think a lot of it is really fucking moronic. Um, now, this isn't completely stupid all the time, but the idea is. There are some people in baseball who say that you need to you need to run 110% on every single play. You need to use 100% max effort on every single play because that's just the right way to play the game. 
my point that I was saying, and I'm certainly, this is not an original thought. I mean, there are plenty of other people who say this. My point is that baseball more than any other sport is a, is a marathon and it's not just like a marathon, a marathon, like that's, that's even putting it lightly. I don't think people realize 162 games, a six month season, like how insane that is. Um, like it's crazy fucking long. So my point was max effort on every play, uh, is just not rational. I think that that bodies are going to break down no matter what, because we're human. And if you are giving max effort on every play in May, when the games are not that important, when like the races are whatever, you know, it's not it's not huge. You might be doing yourself a disservice later on in the year when you really need to be playing your best because you're in a pennant race or whatever. So I guess, so what I was saying then, what I'm kind of getting at, I didn't go into this last time, is that I think that there are degrees of hustle. I'm not saying that you should just jog and fucking lollygag it, but I'm saying you don't need to do like max effort every play. I'm saying it makes sense to maybe do 80, 90% effort. Like, like don't completely bust your ass on every single play. You're, you, it's a marathon, play the long game here. My dad, um, and he taught me to play baseball, and so I do believe this, and this is how I used to play when I was a kid. He believes that you need, he doesn't really agree with me that there are degrees of hustling. He thinks either you're hustling or you're not, I think. So his point is, you hustle as hard as you can on every single play because you love the game and that's the right way to play the game. I don't necessarily disagree with that sentiment. I find it appealing overall. Um, I just think in the in the reality of a Major League Baseball season, I don't know if it if it's the smartest to me. So that's sort of the premise here in terms of what I had been saying and what my dad was saying. Um, so, you know, my piece, I don't know if you guys have thoughts on this. Ethan, tell me a game in one more win in May doesn't matter when one more win in May would have given us home field advantage in the wild card. <laughs> sure. Tell me one that more, doesn't matter. One, no, tell I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that that earlier in the year. I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. Winning those games matters. I'm just saying that like max effort on every single routine ground ball that happens in April and May. I, I don't know that that's worth it. I don't know that that's going to make a difference. Also, I think it's a false equivalency to, to talk about like the NFL or the NBA and like how much going back to my favorite person to rag on for this topic, Robbie Cano, going back to how much does he actually run in a game? Less than a quarter mile, maybe like, okay, come on now, Robbie, like you're, 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 you're not even going one 400 meter circuit around the track here, bud. like, <laughs> You can you can run a little bit more. Um, now I, I get it. Uh, doing that 162 days, you know, days in days out, you know, you see some pretty crazy freaking injuries in the majors. But it's not like 82 games of an NBA season where the guys are running multiple miles a night on the court, even though it's a tiny little standard court. So that's my okay. rebuttal to your rebuttal. Okay. I'm with now, you, Jim. Gonna... I listen to you, Jim. I'm with you. <laughs> Solidarity. <laughs> Matt, I'm going to take that previous close-up that you had with your uh, your chin in your hand. I'm going to make that. I'm going to screen that shot that for you, so you can use it as your Christmas card this year. Yes. <laughs> so my thoughts, real quick. The one part that I have a problem with is that you love the game, and that's why you should hustle. It, it, that's just simply not true with every major league baseball player. Adam Dunn comes to mind right away. Someone who <laughs> did not love the game, but was really good at it. So like loving the game and hustling is a really romanticized opinion of baseball, which we tend to do. 
about baseball more than any other sport. Nobody bats an eye when somebody's dragging on a football field, when someone's dragging, when LeBron's taking every other playoff on the basketball court. I said that last time too. So I, I just don't think that you can hold and like, say what you want about professionals. Like they're professionals for a reason. They know their bodies. They know how to take care of their bodies in a way that people who played in the seventies didn't people who played in the nineties didn't like, there's all this evidence and data out there. So I'm just going to trust that these professionals know when to turn it up for the most part. And I'm also not going to judge them if they don't love the game and don't want to run out a routine ground ball in the second inning of a 13 to two blowout already in the middle of May, like I I'm just not going to be mad about it. So that, that's, that's the one part where I just, I wouldn't get behind because I'm not going to place judgment on people saying that they have to love the game just because they're major league baseball players. Well said, good stuff. Yeah. Good points. All right. We got one mailbag left. We're going to save cousin Greg's mailbag for the next episode. Cause he gets in, he already got some love today with hysteria. Um, this uh, mailbag question comes from our resident white sock fan and podcaster, Greg from the baseball and whatever podcast. He has two questions for us. Um, we'll start with uh, I think the easier one thoughts on the white Sox and the DS. He uh, added that. I think Colin pretty much nailed it. The last time we spoke on the white Sox, <laughs> <laughs> I chuckled yep. at that when I saw it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't really have anything to add. I, I said my piece. You know, yeah. earlier, I was not imp- overly impressed by them. I think they're a fine team. And maybe they're going to, in a couple of years, be, you know, what everyone maybe thought they could be this year. And I still don't know that I'm convinced that Tony LaRusa is the answer to be the leader there. But um, I am not at all surprised that they are out and that they played as bad as they did because that was not a good matchup and they just weren't impressive. Yeah, I think um, I think that that's totally fair. It's still disappointing. I think that the White Sox are so exciting. Um, a lot of really great young players. Um, but at the end of the day, it's possible that many people, uh, including myself, maybe to a certain extent, were not being realistic about this specific series. The fact that the White Sox got matched up with the Astros, which say what you want about the Astros and all of their cheating, and we all hate them, but they still have fucking studs. Like they still have really, really, really good players on their roster, up and down their roster. And as good as the White Sox are, they just, they aren't the same. They aren't at the same, quite the same level as the Astros. And I think you might be right, Con. I hope you're right. Cause I think it'd be cool for baseball that maybe in another couple of years, like Jose Abreu, Luis, Luis Albert, I don't know how you would actually say that uh, in like, in, in correctly for Spanish, but Tim Anderson, all of these guys, um, you know, maybe they, they explode, uh, in, in a certain year and they're all in sync like that, I think would be really fun. Um, but in this case, just going up against the Astros who are already really, really good, um, just weren't ready for it. I get, I think, you know, which is a bummer, but it is what it is. Matt. Wait, did you mean Luis Robert? Oh yeah. 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 Why did I say Albert Robert? Yeah. Thank you. How would you say Ro- Ro- Robert Robert Robert? I don't know. Um, Robert? If, I don't know if the T would be silent. No, I, but case, you're right. That's I think, I Matt. I think Thank you. like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, my opinion is they're a couple tweaks away from being, being that team. I mean, just Robert Anderson, Abreu, Mancata, um, who am I forgetting here? Really Tim nice Anderson, score. right? Yeah. Did I say Tim Anderson already? Um, like you've got, you've got some studs there. 
Yeah. And even they talk about like the uh, was it Nick Madrigal? Is that no? It was a different. Uh, he player. I think he used to be on the White yeah. Sox. I don't know if he still is. He's a good player, but I now don't know if I think if you Sox. fix the case that you know Lance Lynn was the, was great this year, but he was you can't count on that. He's like thirty four or thirty five. He, he was kind of he was kind of good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. So yeah, and that was maybe get a, a stutter two there. Um, and if they, I don't know what the contract situations are for Hendricks and Kimbrell. Uh, I, I think you are close to a competitive team, but you're right. Yeah. You're, you know, to Colin's point, um, some of the metrics don't look that great. So I think the one I brought up on text with you guys was a ground ball. Like they were in the top 10 for of ground ball rate yep. um, in the whole league. And they were the only team in the playoffs that was in that category. Um, ah. So, um, you know, whether or not that's influenced by the guys who were injured this year or not. Um, the, those are some of the the things that I think the front office needs to tweak. And I think they will try uh, as well as adding maybe a start or two, even though the pitching rotation was good through the year, just uh, the Astros are kind of a buzzsaw, but um, yeah. you know, they didn't do all that well against the Yankees this year either. So, I mean, you know, they, they're, they're close. Um, I think, I think they'll own the central for the next couple of years. Um, yeah. You know, maybe Minnesota has a bounce back here, but, um, I don't see Kansas City or, you know, Cle- Cleveland will be their perennial finish right around 500 type team. Um, I don't see Detroit or, or Kansas City really doing anything to challenge them anytime soon. So um, I'd like for them to be better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I purposely saved his first question for the last question because it'll force us to be concise and wrap this up. Greg's question was, is Aaron Boone back in pinstripes next year? And do you want him back? Who wants <laughs> how are, to take that one? First? How the fuck are we supposed to be concise about this? <laughs> yes, <Damn>. no. <laughs> Cut it That's off. pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I cannot be that concise. My thoughts are still evolving on this. I sound like a fucking politician. Um, <laughs> I. I don't know. I still think I talked about this on a recent episode. I still think I still think that for a manager the most important stuff is this behind the scenes stuff that we just don't know about. And so if Cashman, if he, if he talks to all of the staff and all of the players or whatever, and he gets the sense that, that Boone is the right person, that everything behind the scenes is, is running at the level it needs to be running at. Okay. Bring him back. I don't care if Cashman says if Cashman decides he thinks that that's lacking. Okay, fine. I trust Cashman basically is the moral of the story. So I think the on-field stuff, don't get me wrong, there are there have been on-field decisions that have been extremely questionable. Um, I We've talked about this a little bit. I do think that tactically speaking, Boone has some room to grow. That's putting it mildly. Um, but I still maintain that I think the behind-the-scenes the behind stuff is probably even more important, or at least just as important. And Cashman and the people in the front office, they have the information that we don't have um greg's part two was whether we want him back or not Eh, i don't know whatever if 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 cashman thinks so then yes if not whatever bring in bring in some new blood i don't care Uh, then the the behind the scenes stuff is important um all you need to do is is read culture of excellence to see that so um (laughs) there you go good plug got a plug for you so um the the behind the scenes stuff is important but i think there's still changes that need to be made yeah that's fair 
thanks for the book plug, plug Matt. And uh, Christmas holidays in general are coming up. So if you want a copy, hit me up and, and I will get that to you. I will answer real quick and say, I have no fucking idea if he's coming back or not. Um, I will say the longer this drags out, the more of a chance I think that he does not come back. Um, and I will say I'm leaning toward not wanting him back at this point. I think I've seen enough to know where his shortcomings are as a manager to say that I don't know that that can be made up um, as quickly as they need it to be made up to try to take advantage of this window. If the, you know, it's all going to depend that Buster only report came out that said they're, they're leaning towards keeping boom, but they're not sure of the direction of the team. And that really makes me wonder, like, did someone leak that because they need more time to figure out what they want to do at manager, but they want to keep the core or do they actually not know what direction they want to go? Like it's, this is the most indecisive I've seen the organization in a long time, which ultimately brings me back to like why he shouldn't be there. If you're that indecisive, let's move on. There is, yeah, we've, we've talked about this before in the case of Joe Girardi, in the case of Joe Torrey, there were many times where if there were social media around or we had this podcast where we would have said, pretty decisively that we did not think there was someone better out there who could do that job. I don't think that's the case right now. I think we could name people pretty quickly that we think could be a lot better than Aaron Boo. people who are out of a job, people that we might be able to lure into, into New York and steal away from a, a team or two. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about him coming back, um, but I have no idea if he will or not. Hmm. All right. All right. Really boys. quick. I got, I got a, I got a conspiracy theory. I'm going to throw out there. <laughs> the NFL knew that this press about Gruden was going to be bad, so they altered all of the K balls to have such a bad week in kicking to try and have a different storyline to distract everyone. <laughs> there was 12 missed PATs in the NFL of this weekend, and then the just absolute nonsense of a terrible ending to the game that was the Packers Bengals game. Five missed field goals in, in the last like from you know two minutes on into overtime so my conspiracy theory was See, i love it but the problem with this conspiracy theory is that if it's true it just confirms what gruden was saying about goodell <laughs> <laughs> which i'm not going to repeat here because it was very rude and so i won't do that it wasn't just rude it was bad yes yeah, yeah. I don't have anything good to say that but i've been trying to use this for a while and it just sounds like a good way to end the podcast so that's a clown question, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I forgot about that. So good. So good. All right, boys. Well, we did another one. We did. Uh, it. We are back next week. We'll get into more of the baseball playoffs. I'm sure there's a lot happening between now and then. But uh, say goodbye to the podcast. We're signing off. Bye. Adios.